So earlier I read from uh, Luke chapter 2, and the text that will be our focus this morning is uh, Luke chapter 2, beginning at verse 19. Luke chapter 2, verse 19. We have these words, but Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. Have you ever had something important that you wanted to remember and yet you forgot it anyway? And at the time you you said and, and you thought to yourself, I'll remember, but you forgot. And you probably wish you had written things down or you had done something else to help you remember But yet there are things that are truly significant, really significant in our lives that we don't forget. There are certain things that have left such an impression upon us that we have no problem remembering what happened and we will have no problem remembering we know for the rest of our lives. Nearly everyone can remember where they were and what they were doing at the time the news came regarding the planes hitting the Twin Towers. Some of you can remember the assassination of President Kennedy like it was yesterday, or the explosion of the space shuttle. Some things like this we would rather forget, but never will. But there are also things that we don't want to forget, and we enjoy trying to keep the memory of these things fresh in our minds, perhaps things like graduation or one's wedding day or the birth of a child. How important to you is the birth of Jesus Christ? We can safely say that nearly everyone in some way or another celebrates Christmas. Nearly everyone is affected in some way by this season. There are a few Scrooge types who try to act like they're unaffected by all that is going on, but deep down everyone enjoys some aspect of this time of year, and it's hard not to think of the sentimentality and and cozy atmosphere associated with Christmas. There's a certain joy that's associated in connection with this season and part of it is it's a time of memories and family gatherings and um, and yet um, this and and this this feeling of Christmas is not necessarily a bad thing but the problem is when Christmas is only a matter of feelings and not a matter of faith and Christmas is not just something to be felt but is something to be believed and there are many people who like to emphasize the feeling of Christmas while neglecting the facts of Christmas. This time of year we are reminded of the facts of Jesus' birth, the angels announcing his birth, the wise men, the shepherds, Jesus' birth in a stable. It's Jesus' birth that we celebrate at this Christmas time of year, and indeed it is a celebration. That was the reaction of those who first saw him, which brings out that it's not enough to just know about the facts of Jesus' birth, but we must, yes, know the facts, but we must also reflect on the meaning of those facts. We must deeply ponder what took place nearly 2,000 years ago. And if you understand what took place in its proper biblical perspective, you will come away amazed and praising God and thanking God. And so my prayer is that this Christmas season will have the effect of lifting our hearts in praise to God. I hope that this is more than just a nice sentimental time. I hope that the story of Jesus' birth is to you more than just a fascinating story to come up at this particular time of year. I point out how scripture describes various reactions to Jesus' birth. 
There's the reaction of the shepherds in Luke 2, 15 through 17. It says, when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. So what characterizes the shepherd's response to Jesus' birth is enthusiasm and excitement. And then later, after their visit, it's recorded in Scripture in Luke 2.20, the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. They'd been told by the angels that the Savior had been born, and they had found him. And their response was to glorify and praise God. They are overcome with joy, and they can't help but tell others about this babe. And the response of the shepherds is what the Lord wants from us. This is what the Lord envisioned when he planned the sending of his son. He wants his name to be praised. And what pleases the Lord is joyful people glorifying and rejoicing in Christ. And, and added to that, telling others about how they also can find this joy. And then there was the wise men. We didn't read about them this morning, but I think you're familiar with the history enough to know that when they saw the star, we read that they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. Why? Because that star was a sign and guide to their Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And their response to Jesus upon finding him was to bow down and worship him. What about you? What is your response to the Christmas story? Scripture tells us about the response of many people to the shepherd's message of joy. It says, and all who heard it, that is this message from the shepherds, they wondered at what the shepherds told them. They wondered, they marveled, they were amazed by this story that the shepherds told. It was apparently the talk of the town. The story was something unexpected, it was interesting, it was something that caught their attention and yet it doesn't appear that their lives were really affected. Now likely some ended up responding in faith, like the shepherds and the later wise men, but for many they went on with their everyday lives. And in the end, people just shrugged their shoulders and forgot about him. Even today, there are people who are fascinated by the Christmas story, by this by the account of Jesus' birth. They talk about the manner in which he was born, such a humble birth for such a great man. And the Christmas story has become, for the world, a source of inspiration that other lowly people can also become great. And so people wonder about his birth, but that's all. Yes, they believe Jesus was born. He was a real historical person. They even believe that he was born in the way that scripture describes, but has no impact on their lives. They soon forget and they move on to what they regard to be more important things. And so the story of Jesus' birth is for many a nice sentimental story. It's a story that the world likes. Consider all of the carols and hymns that are on television and radio this time of year. Many of them are secular, yes, and many of them are about Jesus. But what effect does this story have on society? How many people stop and think about what has happened? What about you? This is a question that many people are answering this time of year in their own way. And for many, Jesus' birth is not worthy of any time or consideration. For them, 
This time of year is just, this is, it's a holiday. It's a secular holiday. And for others, there's a kind of curiosity and wondering in connection with the Christmas story. And the response seems to be pretty much the response of those who heard the shepherd's story. They don't disagree with anything, but it doesn't really affect their lives. The story has received something like the seed that fell on the rocky soil where there's at first some interest, but it soon dies away because there's no real root. There's no real interest because the heart is not truly touched. Scripture contrasts that kind of response with the response of Mary. It says, all who heard the shepherds wondered. Notice verse 19, but, but Mary, but Mary treasured up all these things pondering them in her heart. Mary went beyond wondering. To treasure and to ponder the events of Jesus' birth are more than just wondering about them, marveling at them. Mary went a step further than many other people because the Holy Spirit was working in her heart, making her pay special attention. And consequently, for Mary, her son's birth was a very important, a very significant event. Now, of course, as a new mother, she was going to be naturally tuned in to anything that concerned her child. And yet there's more to Mary's reaction than just that. She understands that something extraordinary is taking place, something of monumental importance. And her mind is 100% engaged with what is taking place. So much of what we soon forget is, is because our minds are not really that focused. But for Mary, what, what is going on with her son has her full attention. Scripture describes her reaction as twofold. You probably caught it. First of all, treasuring all these things, but second, pondering them in her heart. That she treasured all these things means that she was accurately committing all that she heard and saw to memory. What had gone on in connection with Jesus' birth was being put by Mary into the annals of her memory for all time. For the word in the Greek means to preserve, it means to treasure, it means to defend. The idea is that that there is something so precious that you want to preserve it uh, from being lost or from um, from perishing. And uh, in this instance and in other instances in, in scripture and in Greek, the word is applied to memories. In that case, it means to keep or to preserve within oneself, within one's mind, to keep something in mind lest it be forgotten. And so for Mary, she wants to preserve these treasured memories, these precious memories of Jesus' birth. Some things she would naturally never forget, but the Bible is also telling us that she was actively working to remember. She's paying attention. She's noting the details for fear that she might forget some aspect of this precious historical event. She recognizes that what is happening with the Lord Jesus, with her son, is a treasure to be preserved. But Mary does more than just record the facts of what is happening. The text says she was also pondering them in her heart, which means she's thinking deeply about all that she witnessed. The word ponder means to discuss, it means to consider, it has the idea of thinking very seriously about something and, and, and bringing together things in one's mind where you're conferring within oneself and things are revolving in your mind as you mull over them and think over them. And the idea is of, of someone gathering together, collecting 
uh, a whole host of facts and trying to sort them all out, something like a detective who is compiling all of the forensic evidence from a crime scene. He's trying to understand what happened. Do you understand what then is going on with Mary? Mary's mind is filled with all kinds of thoughts and she's trying to sort them all out. She has this conversation going on in her own head, which means, if you think about it, this pondering implies that she doesn't fully grasp what has happened. She has questions, and amazing things have been said about her son, but then things have happened that seem to contradict that testimony. And Mary is working to understand it all. And inevitably, she must have pondered at least three things that I want to have as our three points this morning. Three... Um, Three things about Jesus' birth. First of all, pondering the greatness. Second, pondering the humility. And third, pondering in faith. So pondering the greatness. Undoubtedly, Mary could not stop thinking about the amazing things that had happened in connection with Jesus' birth. Mary's encounter with the angel was certainly memorable. The angel told humble Mary that she had been blessed as the one to bear the Christ child. She was told concerning her son in Luke chapter 1, verses 32 and 33, He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And when Mary asked how this could be, since she had not known a man, the angel told her that the Holy Spirit will come upon her, so that the child born of her will be called the Son of God. There was also the announcement made by the angel Gabriel to Joseph in which he was told to name his son Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. And then there was the visit that had just taken place by the excited shepherds. They told this amazing tale of an angel appearing to them in radiant glory, announcing, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And then they gave the testimony that a multitude of angels appeared, all praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Think of all of this that has happened, all that has to soak in. A child conceived through the power of the Holy Spirit, his coming announced by angels. He is said to be Savior, Son of God, and king. These were a lot of things for Mary to try to wrap her mind around. But what must also have been a part of Mary's pondering is, is how all this greatness was to be reconciled with the humility that was also part of Jesus' coming. So she must surely have, have she must have also been pondering the humility. One thing, why would God choose Mary for this momentous role? The biblical account makes clear that Mary could not figure out, she couldn't wrap her mind around why she was the one. The angel Gabriel had granted, uh, had come to her and, and granted her this greeting uh, as favored and blessed by God, Luke one twenty nine. But she was greatly troubled, it says, at the saying, and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And she must have pondered, that fact until the very day that she died. And then there was the birth itself that took place in some kind of stable. How in the world was that scene with the manger 
and the swaddling cloths because there was no room in the inn to be reconciled with Jesus being son of God and the king of David. What about the multitude of angels appearing to poor shepherds, the lowliest of, of that society? There's a mystery to these events that causes Mary to search for answers. And the Greek text brings out that this pondering was, was ongoing. She kept pondering, we might translate it here. She kept pondering all these things in her heart. This pondering did not stop. And this is because she refused to give up on trying to understand her son. Now, some might view that as a lack of faith. Shouldn't she just accept what she is being told? Shouldn't we get after Mary for being so inquisitive? But actually, this pondering is evidence of her faith. It means she is taking seriously what she is hearing and witnessing. This tells us that faith is not just a mindless acceptance of facts, but faith involves being engaged with the facts, with the truth. And it's exactly her belief in the testimony of Gabriel that made her pause and think deeply about her son's identity and future work. It's exactly because she believed him to be the Messiah and Son of God that she wondered about the humble circumstances of his birth. It's a mark of Mary's faith that she didn't give up on trying to understand how Jesus' greatness and humility fit together. It was probably not until after the cross and the resurrection that Mary came to see things more clearly. We're not told the details of Mary's spiritual journey, but what we do know is that according to Acts 1.14, Mary was a New Testament believer who prayed and worshipped her son as her God. Her pondering did not lead her away from the truth, but rather to a growing understanding of it. So what about you? What about you? Are you growing in your faith? Faith, yes, it begins with a knowledge. It begins with the knowledge of God's word. Faith involves, includes knowledge and facts. We have to know certain things from the Bible. We need to know something about ourselves. We need to know that we are sinners worthy of God's wrath. We need to know that we are not able to save ourselves, that we cannot in any way mitigate that wrath that we deserve. And we also need to understand who Christ is as the Son of God sent to this earth who became one of us in order to meet the requirements of the law on our behalf. And that he has done this through his perfect life, obeying the law perfectly when we don't, and also through his, his atoning death on the cross. And we have to know that the way to be righteous in Christ is in the way of receiving him as Savior and resting in his saving work alone. And we have to not just know those things, but we have to act in faith by actually asking Jesus to forgive our sins. And then these truths must affect us. It must affect uh, our hearts and be lived out. Nevertheless, I wonder how many professing Christians today have really treasured the things of God's word in their hearts. How many regard the truths of God's word to be so precious that they want to continually think about them and never forget them? How precious and significant can the birth of Jesus Christ really be if someone only thinks about it once a year at Christmas time, as seemingly so many do? Our minds ought to be constantly remembering Christ and spiritual things. That's 
part of the reason, part of the importance for personal devotions and all of the activities of church, of worship, and, and Bible studies. But even more important than knowing the truth as facts, do you ponder the truth? Are you constantly working to piece together how all of the facets of God's revelation fit together? For example, how do God's justice and love work together? What about God's sovereignty and man's responsibility? How about God being three in one? How about Jesus being both God and man? These are truths that ultimately are impossible for our human minds to comprehend. But we can grow in our understanding of them. And in many ways, we are just like Mary. And Every year, especially at Christmas, we, we ponder Christ's birth. Who can fully grasp one person who is both God and man? Who can really wrap their minds around a helpless baby being at the same time the sovereign ruler of this universe? Like Mary did, you must begin with a faith that believes that all that God says in his word is truth. You must not deny anything taught in the Bible, no matter how difficult it may be to accept or believe. The fact is you're never going to fully understand how everything fits together. But even so, your faith in God, your love for his truth should compel you to think and to search and to study until you might see more clearly how all of these truths do work together. And as you explore the scriptures your prayer should be, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. And in the way of humble faith, God will grant you more and more understanding. And this is true not only in regard to an understanding of God's coming as man, but really in regard to all of the truth of Scripture. For instance, this morning we come to church as a way to remember Christ's saving work. And you and I need to do this on a regular basis. It's Part of how we treasure Christ in our hearts. Ultimately, it's convicting, right? It, it's because we're so spiritually dull that we need this regular reminder in order to not forget our Savior and his saving work. Even the sacrament of the Lord's Supper has been given to us, as we will celebrate here in a few moments, as a way of remembering Christ his, in his death on the cross. Do this in remembrance of me. At the same time, let's not stop with just remembering these things, but let us think deeply about them. Let us ponder Christ and his saving work. You should be growing in your understanding and appreciation of what Christ accomplished on the cross. Deeply ponder his suffering made on your behalf. And why is that important? Well, first, because we sin so much and we struggle with feelings of guilt and when you become discouraged and you wonder how you could possibly be right with God, how could God possibly love me? Well, you need to think upon Christ's sacrifice that has fully paid the penalty of your sin. Don't dwell on what you deserve, but ponder. Ponder what Christ has accomplished to set you free through his death on the cross. And then also we sin and we fail to be the witnesses that we ought to be. And the key to sanctification, the key to growing in holiness is pondering Christ, his love, his death on the cross in our place. As you ponder the love of Christ, taking your sin and suffering all that it deserves, your love will grow um, for him, and, and, and that love will manifest itself in greater works of obedience done to his glory. 
Hope you can recognize from what I'm saying this morning that you don't have to have everything figured out to be a person of faith. God doesn't require us to be perfect in our understanding of Christ, perfect in our understanding of the cross before he will accept us. All that is required is simple faith in Christ. At the same time, what Christ has done for sinners is not going to do you or anyone any good. Indeed, God's word is not going to affect your life until, until God's word becomes something more than just something to casually think about. It needs to be something that you have pondered, you've studied it, you've meditated on it, you've listened attentively to what God tells you through the reading and preaching of the word. And are you continually asking yourself, what is God saying to me? What is he saying and am I listening? And if you're humble before the Lord and are ever seeking his grace, he will increase your faith and your knowledge. Amen. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we ask that you would enable us more and more to treasure your words, to treasure the Lord Jesus Christ, to treasure the gospel, to treasure his coming as our Savior, and also to ponder these truths of Scripture related to Christ, his incarnation, his atoning death. Um, Lord, we pray that in this way you will increase our faith, um, Lord, enable us to be deeply affected by Christ, that we will never forget these biblical things, these important things that have eternal significance. And Father, may the result be greater love for Christ, and may the result of that be that we would more and more live lives that are pleasing to you, where we, where we strive after obedience, because we're so thankful for what Christ has done for us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.